In Ag and Review for the week ending February 21st, USDA released the preliminary results of the 2012 Census of Agriculture. The USDA has released the preliminary results of the 2012 Census of Agriculture, revealing an increase in the value of agricultural products sold in the U.S., totaling $394.6 billion in 2012, an increase of 33% from 2007. As for Georgia, despite the number of farms being down 12% from 2007 and land down 5%, the 2012 census showed a dramatic increase in value of sales for the state, with Georgia farms selling $9.6 billion in agricultural products in 2012, 30% more than in 2007. As for demographics, in 2012, the average age of principal farm operators was 59.9 years, up two years since 2007, and continuing a 30-year trend of steady increase. This release of preliminary census results is just a first look at the data. The final report will be published in May. And Randall Wiseman had this report on expansion, feed costs, and projections for cattle prices. Troy, obviously you came to Alabama to talk to these guys a little bit about what's going on. And one of the first things you brought up, everybody's wanting to know about replacement efforts and rebuilding and this, that, and the other. And it sounds like you do expect those numbers to continue to slowly climb over the next couple of years. Well, the economic incentive is certainly there for it to happen, and we do expect that the uh, you know producers that, that Mother Nature will cooperate with, we're expecting them to try to expand their, their cow herds and capitalize on some of these higher profits. You did mention, though, you're seeing a few more of these sales, though. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about in terms of the central and southern Plains states, we're certainly seeing bred heifers and, and young bred cows bringing up to $2,500 per head. And, you know, I don't know if you can justify that or not, but I guess it depends on what part of the world you're in. Obviously, in this part of the world, it would be harder to justify that type of price. But even still, I mean, we, we figure kind of a rule of thumb that it takes uh, takes two calves to pay for or, uh, or be the value of a bred cow or a bred heifer or a young bred cow. While beef exports have been phenomenal the past couple of years, uh, you feel they might uh, drop just a little bit here over the next year or so? Yeah, we're expecting beef exports um, from, from the U.S. to be down about 3% this year. Not significantly. I mean, it's it's 3% is significant. I guess I shouldn't say that it's not significant. But we look at um, the export market that we've seen in, in uh, 2012 and 2013, and countries like Japan and South Korea have really filled their pipeline and they've got a lot of uh, U.S. beef already in the coolers, and it's just probably going to kind of slow down um, the amount of product that they can purchase from us here in the near term. Look at some of the different aspects that are out there right now for the individual cow-calf producer. Profits have been pretty good for them, haven't they? Extremely good. As I mentioned during the talk today, there's, there's only so much margin to go around per animal, and each segment of production tries to get the, the biggest uh, piece of that, of that margin. And cow-calf producers are really in the driver's seat right now due to, to the, uh, the uh, lack of, of supply that we have overall in the country. 29 million beef cows in the U.S., the lowest numbers that we've seen since late 1940s. That would dictate and indicate that cow-calf producers will be in the driver's seat for the next several years. But on the other hand, feeders have been having a pretty tough time. They have had in certain in certain instances. Obviously, we have winter as well as summer diff grazing programs, and those um, producers that have to go out there and purchase those higher-priced calves obviously have a higher break-even. Obviously, it's helped that these uh, cost of gains have declined and some of the input values have declined as well. But we expect uh, those stalker cattle and feeder cattle producers to, to still maintain some profitability, but probably not as much as they have over the past several years. You mentioned one thing, though. We were talking a little bit about retaining some heifers, this, that, and the other, but you mentioned that uh, stabilization really needs to be made before we start seeing uh, expansion. 
Well, we've obviously, I mean, we've seen these declining cow numbers over the past several years. And um, before you can expand a cow herd, I mean, the, the industry hot topic is expansion, expansion. We really do need to expand. But before you can expand, you have to stabilize. And I think that's kind of the mode that we're in right now. Before we can expand, we know that how, the, how the beef production cycle works if you keep an open heifers back this year and how long it's going to take them to have progeny that is on the open market as fed cattle. That takes time. It's probably a three- or four-year process before all of this occurs. And so we're just looking to try to stabilize the cow herd versus expand it right now. And a lot of that is going to be uh, dictated by Mother Nature. She kind of cooperates with us and, and allows us to uh, continue to keep these feed costs down. We will stabilize and then expand the cow herd. Okay, so let's uh, get down to the brass tacks of all of it now. Looking at the numbers, let's start first of all with feed. Corn, corn prices, what do you expect them to do? Well, for the next, for the current crop year, the 13-14 crop year, we're expecting those prices to be kind of in that 410 with resistance at 475 within that range from now through the end of April. After on May 1st, you transition into the new crop year, which will be the 2014-2015 crop year. We see production as well as stocks to use levels increasing um, overall, and that will it should translate into pretty decent support for the corn market at 360 but we do have um, risk down to that level into the 360 range between now and december of 2014 but really feel like that overall that the corn market will average on a, uh, about 410 per bushel for 2014 and final question what are the, the one everybody wants to know cattle prices what are we expecting there well i'll tell you what i mean it's hard to pick a level i can tell you that all of these different segments are going to be profitable but we're, we feel like that the, that the Fed market, the Fed cattle market can average in somewhere in the mid-130s this year. We feel like that these stocker cattle prices or feeder cattle prices, if you will, um, for 750-pound steers basis of U.S. average are probably somewhere in the mid to upper 160s. And then a 550-pound uh, U.S. steer average price somewhere in the mid-190s. And obviously you have to look at your own regional basis levels and realize that, that your prices are going to be different and as well as there's going to be seasonality to these prices. And so you have to always have to keep those types of things in mind. But uh, a U.S. average in the mid-190s for 550-pound steers probably means for some of these southeastern cattle that they can certainly average in the mid-180s or above um, for the, for the year of 2014. And we wrap up for this week with this report regarding an announcement recently made from a popular fast food restaurant here in the southeast. Chick-fil-A has announced plans to use chicken raised without antibiotics in its restaurants within five years, citing its continued focus on customers as the reasoning. Although the popular fast food restaurant only serves chicken, decisions of this sort could have an eventual impact on other proteins as well. Speaking for one of those proteins, National Pork Producers President Randy Sprunk says if antibiotics are disallowed, pork producers will not only lose a good tool to produce a healthy product, but it will also negatively impact the environment and become more costly. We've done the sustainability of pork production, and one of the things that really tests high as important would be the ability to use antibiotics, not only in the moral and ethical side on being able to treat a sick animal, but also the impact that it has on the environmental. Sprunk says that the age-old adage that the customer is always right doesn't always apply when it comes to proper and moral decisions for animal agriculture production. When people make those decisions in that very narrow mindset 
they're not looking at it broadly from a societal standpoint. And I think the consumer is always right. That is true, but that doesn't necessarily mean the consumer in himself, solely by himself, is leading society as a whole in the correct direction. Spronk adds that producers need to be more active in explaining to consumers why they do what they do and regain the moral authority they need to safely and efficiently feed those in our country. And don't forget, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.